Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to CIO Leadership Live. I'm your host, Mary Fran Johnson, CEO of Mary Fran Johnson Media and a contributing columnist on CIO.com, where I write about IT leadership and strategic boardroom issues. Twice a month, we produce CIO Leadership Live with the generous support of my friends here at CIO.com and also the CIO Executive Council. We're streaming live to you right now on LinkedIn and on YouTube, and we have editors watching the feed along with you and welcome your questions if you'd like to send those in for my guests today. We'll be watching for those, and I'll do my best to pass them along. I'm very pleased today to be joined by CIO Sarah Bedadam, who is the CIO of Novanta. She joined the company in 2019 as the VP of Business Applications, moving on up to the global CIO role in January of 2021. Headquartered in Boston, Novanta is an $800 million global supplier of laser photonics, precision motion control, and vision technologies for the OEM, Original Equipment Manufacturer Industry, in advanced manufacturing, industrial, and healthcare. The company employs more than 2,700 worldwide, about a quarter of those being engineers, and about 60% of its revenue actually comes from outside the U.S. As the CIO, Sarah is charged with the strategic direction, the leadership and implementation of the company's digital transformation initiatives. And she's like many lucky CIOs out there, she is juggling several of those digital transformation initiatives at one time. Before she joined the company, Sarah was a director and head of IT portfolio and program management at Splunk, which is a security solutions provider. And before that, she ran IT portfolio and program management for Kyogen, which is a life sciences and bioinformatics company. Sarah, thank you for joining me today. It's delightful to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. In person in our office here in Needham, Massachusetts. And in fact, you are usually headquartered yourself out in San Francisco, but you're here in the Boston area for an offsite. Tell yes. us about that. What are you all doing? So, so again, thank you so much. I'm mm-hmm. very excited to be here. Um, I am based in Bay Area, but our headquarter for Navanta is in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was here because I was running a um, global IT leadership um, offsite with my team here. So right. my entire team flew in. So this was oh. exciting because we did our offsite for the last two years um, on on Zoom. Of course. And, and so uh, we were excited to be in person. It's so different, isn't it? It is very it's different. Just, and yeah. uh, team was excited to see each other in person. And mm-hmm. we ran a two-day offsite. We started uh, strategically thinking about our three-year um, initiatives mm-hmm. uh, based on our business capabilities and how do we align to the Novanta uh, company vision in right. order to you know, enable growth. Yes. Well, and as we hear so much uh, from all the CIOs that we have on the show and the ones I talk to, technology has become such a cornerstone of everything that companies are able to do today. Let's start out. Tell us more about Novanta's business focus and the customer base. You have more than 3,000 of these OEM manufacturers uh, tell us more about, it's a very technical industry, that part of the industry that you're in. It definitely is. So Navanta mm-hmm. is a um, it's a technology-based um, company. We have, mm-hmm. um, we are participating in 
as you mentioned, over mm-hmm. 3,000 OEM, and we are um, enabling their business applications. So we are focused in terms of the um, uh, from the business application point of view in uh, 3D printing, um, in uh, industrial robotics, mm-hmm. um, in uh, DNA sequencing, and so on. So yeah. um, it's definitely our R&D team members are um, very much um, into the design and and. Be, uh, doing the foundational application for the OEM businesses that, um, right. that we provide service to. Well, and you yourself are a very accomplished engineer. Um, you're, you're, uh, should I be calling you Dr. Sarah? You're <laughs> I did get my PhD in yeah. engineering management and system engineering. Interesting. Um, tell me about the business model and, and what parts of it are moving toward this digital transformation, the various efforts you have underway um, in the past two years. Talk about how that has changed and what you have done with the focus of it. Um, so from the from the business partnership, so IT organization as part of Navanta, mm-hmm. um, we, we think of ourselves as a definitely integral uh, business partner with mm-hmm. all of the different uh, functions as well as the, the company business units. Um, the the I mean it's been pivotal since the pandemic that we were um, in person yes. um, type of company so we actually had to pivot to remote yeah. base because it was a lot of unknown during mm-hmm. the pandemic um, for that um, my team worked um, very very hard for the two weeks in order to pivot us from being completely on site. Yeah. You um, were you said it was more than 90% you were on was, site. It was yeah. it was 90% from mm-hmm. the professional standpoint and mm-hmm. then we certainly have our uh, our product lines that we continue to produce that being on site but from the from the the non-production members uh, we went completely remote and mm-hmm. my infrastructure and security teams uh, really shined at that time which was very um, I was very happy to see them um, completely directly um, uh, you know being um, integral part of this pivot yeah um, because most often infrastructure um, it's not really um, in in a front people from take the, it for granted um, they yeah. you know as long as you're network works um, no one no you know complaints. understands how it's working <laughs> so um, so yeah the the team worked um, tirelessly for two weeks in order to accomplish that and I have to say I'm very proud of that and very proud of all of the Novanta team members as well because um, that we did not miss a beat mm-hmm. um, and um, it was very very smooth and we continue well, having hybrid um, yeah so well, and we talk a lot these days about future of work. And in a lot of ways, I feel like we've all been living and designing and architecting our future of work as we go along over these last two years. And you had mentioned, in fact, um, you'd mentioned that your uh, human resources has come up with, I think, what is going to become a, a somewhat standard model going forward, where you have remote workers, hybrid workers, and in-office. Correct. Um, how, how, is that, how is that working so far? Um, so 
So I think it's working really well because mm-hmm. we certainly, um, you know, during the great resignation that, uh, you know, most company went through, um, certainly Navanta did not go through that. So and, yeah. and and in particular, my team, I could certainly speak to that, that mm-hmm. um, I, um, you know, I know that a lot of peers and colleagues always mention that, but mm-hmm. we did not and I did not experience that in, in my function. Well, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that, uh, about service leadership and just the whole attitude toward how you manage and work with people that I that I'm sure helps with that a lot but before we get into that I wanted to tell us a little bit more about the size and scope of your IT organization um, sure so we are uh, so Navanta is a global company um, mm-hmm. and I also have a global team so the the team is distributed um, in five different countries mm-hmm. um, so we have a follow the sun um, you know type of um, uh, around you know around follow the sun service <laughs> um, so the clock is always on isn't it, it? Clock yeah. is never goes off mm-hmm. yeah and um, sorry <laughs> Uh, um, and um, so my team is um, divided in terms of the the within the you know function. Mm-hmm. Um, we have architecture team um, that it's uh, really looking at enterprise level applications and um, ecosystem yeah. and how do we make sure that we are keeping up with emerging technologies and how mm-hmm. do we pivot the organization to more um, digital innovations um, that they come through. Um, yeah. And then I have cybersecurity team, mm-hmm. um, which um, really focuses on uh, the cyber and how do we make sure that we're protecting Navanta. Um, I have BI team, uh, which is business mm-hmm. intelligence and reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of cornerstone of making sure that we have um, one source of truth for Navanta reporting. Yes. Um, and uh, really making sure that we are giving that um, access and visibility to our uh, to our business partners mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that they are making data-driven decisions. Got it. Um, and then mm-hmm. I have, obviously, application teams and mm-hmm. um, that they manage all the internal applications. Yeah. Well, um, excellent. Let's, um, let's pivot over to talk a little bit about the business priorities and the strategic technology priorities. Has anything shifted further up your list over the last two years? Because you've been with the company since 2019 and been dealing with the pandemic years and all that. But there is um, often a significant amount of change that has happened with companies and your company has done very well financially. You've had two really good years, and I'm sure technology played a big role in that. Um, but talk about what are the things that are more important to you now today as the CIO versus two years ago. Uh, that's a very good question. So. Yeah. Um, I think the pandemic kind of pivoted and made sure that the the, the IT organizations are certainly are um, a, you know more visible from mm-hmm. the from the from the technology decisions that we're making. Yeah, and going digital and having more collaborative. Um, um, you know, um, environment and mm-hmm. platform to make sure that not only we are serving our customers, but also serving our employees. Yeah. Um, so that employee experience is also important as well as the uh, customer experience mm-hmm. that we focus on. So most of the focus, um, it was kind of foundational at the at, in 2019, but it became even um, higher priority to make sure that we're creating a digital platform for our customers okay. to interact. So then 
they don't mm-hmm. need a, a human interaction as much as we could, you know, during the time that the human interaction may not be possible, mm-hmm. that they are still are able to uh, get the information they need. Yeah. And we are able to serve our customers um, and also serve our employees um, because they also are um, in, you know, in a remote situation and hybrid. And mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we're providing that. So digital collaboration and finding innovation in order to deliver that um capabilities mm-hmm. for our engineers to collaborate together using um, some uh, digital design capabilities right. um, for our employees to collaborate together um, and um, for our customers to get um, information as much as, you know, as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. Well, I know when we talked previously, um, one of the digital transformation areas that you're focused on is in ERP systems. Yes. And you have quite a few of them. You have six different ERP systems. How did that come about? And what is that process like right now? How far along in the journey of rationalizing all of those are you? Um, so the the ERP evolution was pre-pandemic, but mm-hmm. it certainly highlighted the fact that um, the team members are not able to collaborate as much as they could and when they were in person. So mm-hmm. it definitely uh, increased the priority from that. And where we are now is in the uh, final phases mm-hmm. of the business case in order to make sure that we are uh, making the the right decision in terms of the rollout. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking at how do we best um, um, disturb, uh, disrupt, but not, you know, disturb the business. Right. So that's where we are. Um, the ERP evolution, as as most of the, um, almost everyone knows, it's a, it's a huge undertaking uh, for, yeah. for uh, organizations. So we want to make sure that we are um, thinking strategically of how do we uh, phase it mm-hmm. and how do we uh, be more smart about um, rolling it out. Yeah. Well, and for a, a company that is uh, so engineering driven and so technology focused, you can't just write it off and say, oh, well, we'll just go to a big cloud ERP system. I, it, it must have a lot of individual considerations about the different parts of the business. Um, it does. But mm-hmm. um, so I'm really proud that Navanta is actually very, um, you know, digital focus. And yeah. um, and certainly my team is um, the partnership with business. Mm-hmm. We're moving to a cloud solution because that's um, that's something that we have been looking at. Uh, how do we best uh, scale Navanta and mm-hmm. um, our, you know, our different solutions for future. Um, Cloud strategy is definitely um, something that we have been building up our um, ecosystem around. Mm -hmm. So um, sure, it's not easy, but but I think um, with a lot of collaboration for the last two years with partnership with business and going through the business capabilities Mm -hmm. and making sure that um, there is, we're only focusing on the processes um, that are actually a pain point Mm -hmm. um, and emphasizing on on those and building solution around that, um, that's the, yeah. I think that's a key part of um, our foregoing success that we've been having mm-hmm. and for future planning. Well, that was a, a point you made when we talked earlier that you, you said a lot of um, a lot of companies, a lot of CIOs and technologists think about the technology first and then the process. But for you, and this may be your engineering background <laughs> speaking, right? You think, the, you, you have examined the 
business process first and then applied the technology to it. Um, give us an example of um, someplace where you did that, where it's been working out really well. Sure. So I could give you an example of one of the transformation programs that mm -hmm. we've been uh, working and that was uh, the CRM um, that we digitized the, the quote management. So okay. what we the quote to order process, quote to order mm -hmm. process. So okay. um, initially, um, I think that, um, you know, the, the team's generally on technology because mm -hmm. we are a technology group and we like technology. Mm -hmm. um, but what I have been revamping our team and um, is that let's solve a problem. So uh, with collaboration with sales and marketing and service team, um, that was the quote to order process was the process that they really wanted to improve. Yes. And transform. So Good. we focus on that and mm -hmm. those capabilities and they prioritize based on that. Yeah. And then we select the technology and we implement it. And everybody's off to the races then, right? Off to the races <laughs> and the ROI was over mm -hmm. $3 million. Wonderful. Per year. Wonderful. So we, right. we focus mm -hmm. on not only the just the partnership and mm -hmm. focusing on the business process improvements, um, but technology and the ROI to the business. Yes. Because... That is the one of the capabilities that I want to make sure that our team is looking at um, IT function as a revenue generating mm -hmm. uh, part of the organization rather than just the, the old cost center that we just cost money. Yes. Well, and I've, I've been noticing in a lot of conversations with CIOs in the last year or two that we never have conversations anymore about getting the seat at the table or having the business understand how strategic technology is. I feel like we made huge leaps forward on that. But of course, that brings new responsibilities into Absolutely. IT, and the IT leaders and all of their team leaders and managers also have to really understand a lot about the business and the business process. How do you go about making sure your team is well-educated in that? How do you improve their business acumen? Um, so um, that's... You're 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 spot on on that because mm -hmm. um, when it comes to hiring, uh, certainly um, you know being technical savvy is no longer um, enough. Right. So um, the the team um, when we are doing talent business acumen is high on my competency list um, to make sure that uh, we are hiring uh, with people mm -hmm. who understand business. And for my internal team, um, I uh, we have quarterly calls that they are participate and make sure that that I disseminate um, all the information that is coming from our leadership um, and um, and also aligning all of our goals, mm -hmm. like the, the offsite that we just had yep. with the three-year plan. What are the company objectives? Mm -hmm. What is the business capability that is tying to that company uh, objective? Right. And how are we making sure that these initiatives actually drive those company objectives? Mm -hmm. And what would be the KPI measurement for for that. So I think the emphasis on every time mm -hmm. we are doing a program or doing the planning, um, it's educating them where business is going, mm -hmm. um, as well as why is it important to make sure that we are focused on that yeah. before we make the investment decisions. Mm -hmm. Okay. We can do it all. Well, no. And in fact, I was thinking about that, um, the governance of all of it, like 
the prioritization. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about uh, the agile transformation, which has taken some of the um, guesswork out of that. But do you have a, a steering committee or a governance um, program set up in some way to decide on that? Like, you know, who, who, who gets the most attention and the most money in what order? Yes. So as mm. part of our Navanto growth system, actually, mm-hmm. we have different councils. Okay. So, uh, for example, for sales and marketing, um, when we were trying to um, kind of prioritize which are the processes to focus on, mm-hmm. that was the group um, that we were um, having a conversation with, mm-hmm. and that was prioritized. Uh, so then we started implementing. We yeah. have that for our R&D. Um, we have that for product management. We have mm-hmm. that for quality. Uh, we have that for operations. So it's <laughs> certainly those, those are great avenues for us to make sure we're prioritizing based on the the business pain point or the innovation part of that and and then we currently run the business intelligence council so my team runs that wow well and and i neglected to point out too you've actually got four different digital transformation initiatives underway and they're in cyber business intelligence crm uh customer relationship management and then the erp ERP. systems That's a lot to bite off and chew all at once. My God. (laughs) Um, Talk about, tell us what you can about the cyber aspect on that. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't think I have to elaborate of, you know, all the cyber attacks and um, all the... How the, important it is. But your CEO is very closely partnered with you on the cyber is. efforts. He is very, yeah. very supportive. We actually mm-hmm. do blogs um, with internally. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that has been helpful because most of the time, even in my, you know, previous experience, mm-hmm. uh, most people think of um, cyber, it's, it's a, either IT... Or security program, Mm -hmm. and it's not a company program. But with the help of our CEO, um, it's been it's been brought into attention that it's all of us that we come together to make sure we're protecting Avanta. So Mm -hmm. he's been really supportive and helpful when we're doing the blog, especially um, when the I mean we do that um, twice a year. Yeah. So um, that raised the awareness, and then we also do phishing campaigns on a regular Mm -hmm. basis and we do um, um, training, training not in Ah. person right now, but uh, certainly uh, we do quarterly uh, training online Mm -hmm. uh, for the team members. And uh, we're receiving a lot of feedback uh, in terms of the raising the bar. And um, and, um, I have to say that the Navanta team members are um, really are becoming more cyber savvy. Of, They're stepping you know, up. Yes. Well, and it probably makes the employees just more cyber savvy in their regular lives as well. Yes. I remember when I went through that training at CIO when we were doing it, and there were lots of things that I became more aware of. <coughs> now, when you say you do a blog, you write that together, or you write it and he signs it? I mean, how, <laughs> how collaborative is that? It's, it's actually very collaborative. So yeah. we had a um, we had a marketing team members who would help out yep. um, because, um, you know, um, I could talk, but, you know, like there's a, there's a conversation piece. And <clears throat> Talking you is know, so much easier than writing. <laughs> yes, I know. So, um, so <laughs> she was definitely instrumental in helping. Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's just the kind of meet and making sure that we're both on the same page. And, yeah. um, and then they tape us. Okay. 
Let's pivot over and talk about your customers and any supply chain issues that you have dealt with. I mean, the the company is growing at a a really good clip and you've had two really great strong years revenue wise. But I think we all read about the supply chain problems in so many parts of manufacturing. What kind of an impact has it had in the OEM markets that you serve? Um, So certainly um, we have also felt that just like any other Mm -hmm. company and um, it's I think that the the way that our supply chain team Mm -hmm. strategize um, has been helpful in order to kind of have a a faster pivot in terms of the process. Mm -hmm. Um, So what they're trying and obviously everybody hunts for the um, for the material. And um, when you have a, you know, big backlog, um, definitely you want to make sure that you're getting the material. So Mm -hmm. our supply chain team has been really good in trying to locate uh, different vendors and a different around the globe actually mm-hmm. um, and had to negotiate to have multiple vendors um, and have right. um, less dependencies on one mm-hmm. uh, depending on the product so um, I think that you know we've been um, like you said we had a very good two years so mm-hmm. our supply chain is constantly working on that so yeah. um, so you know we are affected just like anybody else but I mm-hmm. think having a group that is constantly looking at it and the processes to make sure we navigate through this mm-hmm. um, has been helpful for us yeah um, from the IT organization we had the similar um, you know um, uh, from the computer equipment to phones yep. and even um, having monitors. Um, so we have been also doing a multiple phase mm-hmm. um, and multiple vendors strategy, um, you know, learning with our supply chain team members right, right. to make sure that, you know, we're not counting on just one vendor, but the multiple vendors in order to get multiple shipment and a yep. different pace. So. Well, I think for years, IT leaders have known that they are at the kind of the eye of the storm when it comes to change management. Yes. But I think over the last two years, especially, it's a combination of change management and crisis management that suddenly, I I imagine it kind of gets everybody's blood up a little bit more, you know? I mean, it's kind of exciting to feel not only are you appreciated, but what would the company do without you? You know, that that sort of uh, that sort of thing. This is why there's no more talk about seat at the table. You know, it's so obvious now. It, it truly yeah. is. I mean, it's um, it, it was beneficial. Like talking to you know uh, my friends and peers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no longer a conversation. We already we are there. Yeah. So um, yeah. and now we are there. We need to make sure that we are. Um, following through and yep. being accountable and responsible mm-hmm. and uh, making sure that uh, we don't lose the seat. Right. Oh, well, exactly. Yeah. Because once it's more now about what you do with the seat once you have it, right? Yes. <laughs> um, you had, uh, we had mentioned when we were talking about um, earlier, talking about when you arrived at Novanta and one of the, you were realigning IT to pivot to more of a revenue generating organization. And whenever I see the words revenue generating, I like, you know, like I sit right up and I say, <laughs> say, tell me more about that, because that's the very opposite of IT being seen as a cost center. So talk about that a little bit, how you have partnered with the business, how this has actually turned IT into part of the revenue revenue generating machine for Novanta. Um, sure. So okay. um, I, I had also experienced that in my previous organization as well, mm-hmm. but in particular in Novanta, um, we moved to a more value-based uh, 
um, you know, providing uh, value for the mm -hmm. for the business. Mm -hmm. I could use the the CRM and ERP example um, as we're going through the different uh, business um, cases. Um, we we partnered with our finance team in order to actually calculate. Um, if we do this program, mm -hmm. what will be the ROI in a annual base mm -hmm. uh, for the company, and how much this technology will drive that? So we get uh, we make sure that there's a percentage of it of how technology is driving that that ROI for the business. Okay, it's not easy, and it's not perhaps um, right. uh, sometimes it could be a little bit subjective. Um, I was thinking that it's not just a natural kind of instinctive gut it's feel not. sort of thing. It's not, and it yeah. takes a lot of practice, and you could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, but the fact that, you know, like you have the team also look into it and with the partnership with business, mm -hmm. they're also looking into it. Those numbers might shift. Maybe that was, uh, especially if you don't have a baseline. Yeah. Um, but, but that's okay. But then mm -hmm. there's just the thought process that the next project that comes along, mm -hmm. that you are thinking those, okay. uh, in, in the same line. And so then it gets better because by practice you get better yes. in, in understanding how much technology is bringing to the mm -hmm picture from the overall company. Right. Well, we have a question from our alert watching audience oh, here, and it's related to what we we're just talking about. How did Novanta measure the business happiness score during the pandemic times? Um, and is that, a, is that an official number, a business happiness score? Um, I like that. I, I like mean, it we, too. We I don't did not have them. a business happiness score, but um, <laughs> what we had a, what we call pulse survey. Yeah. So I've heard of NPS too, net promoter score. Correct. That tends to be a digital satisfaction score for customers. But so, I, I kind of like that title. I know. So maybe we adopt work it. <laughs> I know. Exactly. we we'll consider that in the public domain now. Um, so, so how so, did you measure? So, so we definitely mm -hmm. have surveys that would um, come out and our HR partners were really good at mm -hmm. sending those. And there were questions there and a yeah. comments about um, how does the technology is helping in particular when it comes to, um, you know, being completely remote um, for the mm -hmm. for the last two years. Um, and and surprisingly, we actually got a lot of, um, you know, um, the, the happiness score was high uh -huh. um, and um, and 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 it changed the view of our employee base as well of how much the team was there to help um, navigate the questions like oh. how does my you know Comcast work you know okay. like when you're at yeah. home um, so we were able to make sure that we're a you know we go above and beyond what the right. IT equipment are helping yeah. so our happiness score was high mm -hmm. um, and then we got a lot of recommend uh, recommendation because the our um, employees were also looking at new innovations so we got suggestions oh, and then we start researching right. those and we mm -hmm. um, implemented some of them because they were not only I mean they're secure and mm -hmm. we want to make sure but um, which I really liked because yes. we're getting now employee-based um, looking at different technology solutions and right. helping us navigate through the innovation. Yeah. Well, and that's tremendous too when they're not just saying, you know, oh, here's a technology I'd like and I think I can use it on my project. They're more talking about here's what I'm trying to do in my, in my project. That's essentially a, a chance to uh, co-innovate, I yes. guess. Yes, yes, yes. Do you have anything set up for that formally? Like, do you have an innovation 
ecosystem of some sort? Because uh, I know you have a significant R&D operation that yes. operates on its own with technology supporting it. But in the tech organization itself, um, how do you approach you know, the, the encouragement of innovation, I guess. Um, so, I mean, our employees' feedback is a constant. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't really have a forum, but I think it's a great idea to also build on that. Mm -hmm. um, um, the architecture team is in a constant, um, you know, collaboration with a different employee base. Yeah. Um, but it's not a formal setup. So mm -hmm. I think it's gonna it's it's a good idea to have that. Mm -hmm. Now the architecture team that's different from the infrastructure team, correct? Okay, and the architecture team, the enterprise architecture, that is something that that you initiated when you came in. You changed that in yes. the IT organization yes. structure. That was a, okay. a new setup mm -hmm. for um, that, and cybersecurity was a new setup uh, for okay. well, and, and BI actually yeah. was a new setup. So originally, uh, application infrastructure were the um, were the the, 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 the setup and divisions in, in mm -hmm. IT yes okay excellent um, let me see talent retention talent acquisition uh, as you mentioned you didn't suffer through the great resignation you have kind of the normal amount of attrition going on um, and when we talked before you said that mainly stemmed out of what you see as your servant leadership approach. Tell me what you mean by servant leadership. I've been seeing and reading more conversations about that now where some IT leaders are almost worried about being too much servant leadership because it won't be directional enough. So there's, I, I've just seen more debate about it lately than I had before. So uh, let's talk about how you see yourself as a servant leader and what that means. Well, thank you for that opportunity because I'm very passionate about servant uh -huh. leadership and I had a great mentor um, that kind of helped instill that. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I was doing it before, but I just did not know you the, didn't have the a label. label for mm -hmm. it. So yeah. um, I um, I think what it's building the foundation with the team and making sure there's a trust foundation mm -hmm. within all the leadership team, um, and then how that disseminates to the to the organization is the pivotal part of servant leader, because what I see mm -hmm. and I also always um, tell the team members, you know, whichever company that I am mm -hmm. part of, um, that, you know, the team is not about I, is the about the team. Mm -hmm. So we need to trust each other um, and help mm -hmm. each other and empower each other. Um, so for me, is building the empowerment for the team members and for them to be successful, whether you know are with me or mm -hmm. many many years later, mm -hmm. um, that to me gives me a greatest satisfaction. Yeah. Um, and um, I believe the reason that I did not experience um, the the great um, resignation, resignation was that building that trust within yeah. the team. Okay. Open communication and transparent of what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and how do we work together? in order to accomplish mm -hmm. what we want to do. Yeah. Versus I need you to work for me and I, you know, I will get the credit. So, right. so right. I mean, yes. Well, and I've heard it also referred to as, uh, and more just generally for employees, the idea of psychological safety, mm -hmm. where you know that a mistake is not going to be fatal. <laughs> No, it's just you can uh, you can try different things. What did you uh, how you put it? You said learn from it. Don't be scared to own it. Record it. Fix it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That sounds like a, almost 
very engineering like. Very. Just, very. So sometimes <laughs> it comes out. Yes, yes. It's okay. It's a, where would the world be without engineers, right? Well, I mean, yeah. As really. long as you saying it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I like the idea that it's not something about being passive or being too dictatorial. It's no. not necessarily a middle ground. It's just it's a it's a it's a psychological safety. It's a way to make sure people understand they can you have to walk the talk, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. And you have to role model um, yeah. because otherwise, um, you know, you're not building that trust with them. Mm -hmm. Well, and uh, this is a good pivot point when we talk about building trust to talk about Agile. Yes. I've had uh, so many CIOs have said to me, you know, it's not about doing Agile. Agile's not necessarily specific technologies. It's about being Agile. And the being Agile often comes from greater understanding this connection that we get on the teams of business and IT people working together. Tell us about the kind of the, the journey to Agile that you have been orchestrating at um, Novanta. Mm -hmm. um, I completely agree with, mm -hmm. the, um, with the sentiment. Um, Agile is about, um, you know, owning the different mindsets. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's definitely a growth mindset that um, things are not fixed and you are thinking outside of the box. And mm -hmm. how do we make sure that, you know, you're building a product, but it has required iteration. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people think of Agile as like, oh, the thing's going to go fast. It's a myth. It's not about fast or slow. Mm -hmm. It's about how you're thinking about the problem and how do you make sure that you have a minimal viable product in order to see if that's solving the issue. Yeah. And then you build on it and okay. you pivot. And also in terms of psychological safety that you, uh, you know, we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier, it's also it's okay to fail. Mm -hmm. So it builds that um, environment about growth mindset and, you know, avid learners mm -hmm. are the fact that it's okay to fail, it's okay to pivot, but it's not that you're going to do fast, but it's you adapting to the different environments yeah. and you're pivoting and making sure you're solving for a business problem. Okay. How did you go about introducing and educating the business, your your the colleagues, your executives in the C-suite who are your peers, um, and there's a I think there's a tendency for everyone when they get to the high up positions in a company to get a little bit like, well, I know what's going on, I understand agile. When and you may just be kind of faking it. So <laughs> how do you? Uh, not that anyone at your company would fake it, but I mean, how do you get uh, that education process going with executives so that they're comfortable with that? You know, the fact that they don't know everything. And the, yeah, so, <laughs> they don't know everything about agile. So, mm -hmm. um, so you're 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 hitting some points in mm -hmm. there. So definitely, you have to do your homework. So what we end mm -hmm. up doing is we spend, um, you know, at least a month or two mm -hmm. to making sure we're interviewing different groups. Yeah. And then we picked a pilot group. And this is at my previous organization that we did that. And mm -hmm. we're also continuing doing it in, um, in Nevanta. Mm -hmm. So you interview the business stakeholders that you are trying to, you know, pivot that group to be in the pilot group. Okay. Um, to move to Agile. So uh, for our BI, we started that about 2019. Mm -hmm. So what we end up doing is we interviewed all the business stakeholders. Mm -hmm. uh, we put them in a room and we said, this is what Agile means. Um, so I started from like a mm -hmm. mid-level 
yeah. you know, kind of, and working itself for them to become our advocates and champions. Right. And so then you bring the, the middle management to the higher management. Yeah. And it's not that Sarah is saying it or IT is saying it, but they experienced it. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, leading by example. And okay. I found it really um, um, instrumental in changing their mind to mm-hmm. see like how agile actually is supposed to work. Another way that um, I also done it uh, mm-hmm. in previous organization is you bring in coaches. So you have coaches interview your uh, C-suite. Yes. Uh, these are agile coaches. There, there are many of them that are very good at mm-hmm. what they do, and yeah. they're specialized in that. By them interviewing and getting the feedback and formulating a plan, um, it also helps. So it's not mm-hmm. within the company, but you actually bring an expert to have that conversation um, and um, you know get their feedback and put on the plan. So that's mm-hmm. also successful. Well, and that has to help too, bringing the outside voice in because yes. there's an enormous amount of change management under yes. agile methodologies of all kind. As as you pointed out, you know the business people might be just oh they might be nodding their way through everything, but then saying okay, well, where's my 10-page document with all my business requirements? Yeah. And we don't do that in Agile anymore. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, I have to say that earlier in my uh, career, we failed. So we <laughs> failed because, and it's okay to fail. I mean, is. this is the kind of because learning. Learn it, fix it. Fix yeah. it, right? Yeah. And yeah. record it, learn it, and, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so we failed because we did not do a proper training and education mm-hmm. of our business stakeholders. Yeah. And that was a good lesson learned because, you know, IT department all were, you know, everybody knew everything that they needed to do, but we did not do the same level of communication and training Mm -hmm. to our business users. Yep. But we learned that. Yes. I've actually heard similar stories when, um, like when a company is moving to new ERP systems, um, especially one of the big vendors like Oracle or SAP, and they do a lot of training at the executive level and the middle management level, but then maybe figure, okay, we're full speed ahead. And I've talked with a couple of CIOs who, and I, you know, I've said, what would you do differently this time? And they've often said they would have spent six more months training and going further and further down in the organization. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how are you, you've got those four pretty enormous transformation balls in the air right now. I think we mentioned the 16 ERP systems, the BI, the CRM, and the cyber. Um, how do you allocate all of that, all of that motion going on that's all transformation and a lot of change management under that? Mm-hmm. So I have a great team. I mean, I, well, I can't I can do mm-hmm. it alone, but we also have um, definitely um, a partnership with the business users because, okay. um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, we are a very fast-paced company and we also a very, you know, technology-oriented company. So, right. so, the, so my team is able to go faster or go to the speed and make sure that we're implementing things. Mm-hmm. It's because our employees are also interested to yeah. accomplish these things. And we have the leadership um, across the board um, really wanting us to make changes. And um, so we have th- that support is helps. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, we still have to prioritize within these big, huge programs. So yeah. these are not a one year journey. So BI is on a third year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, cybersecurity is on the second year journey. So those are journeys. So like we have yes. subset of you know programs within those transformational mm-hmm. uh, portfolios. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, so we prioritize based on that and based on the when we're adaptable based on the business changes, mm-hmm. and then we implement. So they're not all happen at you know um, the, the same. It's speed. not a big bang. No, it's not. It's not. It's so. a lot of little big bangs. <laughs> essentially, it's, yes. <laughs> now I keep. I keep thinking maybe I haven't asked enough about the BI, the business intelligence aspects of it. Is this essentially your enterprise data strategy? Yes. Is that another way to call that? Yes. And you are building a center of excellence for that. Correct. And what does that mean these days to build a COE <laughs> around BI? Um, so um, since, you know, um, we have multitude of sources of data um, mm-hmm. that it's come from a multitude of the internal systems Especially that we in have. manufacturing environments. And, uh, right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, you know, um, we assemble a team. So mm-hmm. we started building the foundational layer, which was uh, figuring out the technology that we wanted to store all the data. Okay. And how do we make sure this technology is the scale? solution mm-hmm. uh, for our company as we're growing and we grow organically and through acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we make sure we pick the right technology in order to build that? So, right. And also building a team to build that. So mm-hmm. we have data modelers um, and we ingest all of this um, into the data lake mm-hmm. strategy that we have. Um, and then from the modeling perspective, we are understanding more and more about master data management. So that okay. team mm-hmm. is, you know, you could make all the strategies about data um, until you actually look at the data. So so that team is also strategizing to have business um, or data owners across the business. So mm-hmm. that's BI Council that I was mentioning. Right. Um, they also talk about data mapping and data stewardship okay. as part of that. So it's not just you know, flat out reporting. So mm-hmm. that center of excellence do- does talk about data stewardship mm-hmm. within the business because IT does not own the data. IT is helping with displaying the data, but we really need that partnership with the with the yeah. different groups in order to make sure we're navigating through the master data management. Okay. Um, and then there is the you know modeling setup, and then we wanted to make sure that we are creating these, um, I would say, um, these areas for our business users not to rely on IT creating a report, mm-hmm. but it's more self service. Right. Right. So. That's what the mission of the Center of Excellence for BI is. Well, I was thinking it's interesting. Back in my uh, editing days at Computer World and even at CIO Magazine, we often thought of CIOs and IT leaders as stewards of the data. And there was a time when IT wanted to own all the data and guard it and protect it and take care of it. And it's such a flip side now where we want the data in the hands of the business users and understanding what they need to be doing about it. Yeah, um, I think it's it's a better way. This yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> it's better. There's not there's not one throat to choke on it, right? If things go well, wrong. Well, <laughs> but IT does not understand the data, so they yeah. they should yeah. they should rely on business. And um, in the CRM area, the that's a, a big part that encompasses your sales and marketing, your product management, and the digital customer experience. Um, we talked about that a little bit. Can you give me an example of something that has changed from your customer experienced standpoint over the last two years? Something that, you know, all your customers would have seen a big change in what you were doing. Um, 
Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the easiest example that it's customer facing is we have one quote management. Uh, quote that, to order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so okay. they see a, a quote with the, um, mm-hmm. with the you know, streamlined TNCs. Yeah. Um, and um, it clearly shows what they're, you know, what they're buying. Previous to that, we had uh, different business units that were using Excel sheets. Um, they were using PowerPoint to create the quote. So, yeah. um, I mean, so it's now mm-hmm. they could see a, you know, professional quote template yeah. that is streamlined across the business. Um, and, um, and so I think that's like the, the most, you know, biggest evolution. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've got another question from our alert listening audience. These days, CIOs globally aim for digital transformation in the ERP space and the CRM space, and eventually the IT gets digital benefiting the business. The whole idea of IT as a revenue-generating model comes to life. I think we're all in agreement so far, right? How does Novanta plan to have the digital sustenance post-transformation? How do you sustain it? How do you keep it moving because it's a great it's a great setup for the question too it's like there's a lot of build up and then you get the stuff and what happens post what is digital sustenance that's so, interesting another great I, I phrase mean, we're going to adopt right? uh, yeah i mean yeah. that's a very very great, uh, great question and because we're in the middle of transformation i mean it's very thought provoking and mm-hmm. and i appreciate that but i don't feel like we will ever be done that's so the problem with digital transformation, isn't so it? You can't stop. You can't. I mean, so yeah. maybe that's kind of itself mm-hmm. needs some self-reflection in terms of uh, where is this, you know, yeah. when does this stop? But I'm not foreseeing it ever stopping. Uh, that's the danger, I think, in yeah. calling it a journey. Yeah. All the time, I'm always joking yeah. with people about it, and I'm saying, sometimes you get car sick on the journey, and you're like, when are we going to get there? You, you, Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, CEOs especially are going to be guilty of that, aren't they? Aren't they yeah. going to say, come on, when does the journey end? But you hear the term <laughs> boil the ocean. You don't want to yeah. boil the ocean either. So, <laughs> that's right. So how do you make sure that the, the business is coming along with the digital transformation? Yeah. And going through the change management, because every change, um, you know, it's never that easy for understanding as much as the, 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 you know, the people aspect is the biggest part of the transformation. Yes. yes. So, and we often forget that we think, well, you know, process is important. Technology is important, but the most Mm. important part of the the transformation is the people. Yeah. Yeah, No, people are the most important part of it. So great question. Um, I certainly will reflect, but I, I don't see it, um, you know, <laughs> ever done. Yes, that's, it is, a, it is very, uh, it does stop you in your tracks to kind of think yeah. about, oh, when all the transformation activity stops. I remember years ago, one of our reporters asking uh, the CIO at General Motors about, well, you know, you're six years into this transformation program, when are you done? And he just burst out laughing. And he said, the minute you're done, you're dead. Because you can't ever stop transforming. So it's just, it's a wonder more CIOs are not more exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) We just need more vacation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely need more vacation. Um, And since we're thinking about thinking ahead to the future, emerging tech trends that are of greater interest to you, we haven't mentioned artificial intelligence, AI and machine learning often comes up when we start talking about data. But um, and that's probably further down the road with with what you're doing. But blockchain, cryptocurrency, are there any of them that you watch with special interest these days? Um, 
definitely more blockchain than mm-hmm. cryptocurrency although okay. cryptocurrency is more on a personal level it's i i find mm-hmm. that fascinating because i actually did a paper during my undergrad around cryptocurrency yeah um, you had mentioned that and um digital at, wallet you digital were, wallet. So you were yeah. writing about digital wallets yes. in your ivory tower yeah 20 years 20 ago. years ago yes wow and right. um i i thought it was you know so it it was based on the fuzzy logic it's a mathematical yeah. statistical mm-hmm. model and um and when i was reading it to my parents and you know uh personal friends they thought mm-hmm. that you know it's a sci-fi movie that yeah. you know this was before smartphones yes yes this maybe even was before cell phones um you know? so, i mean we still Can had we? um probably not smartphones we had but blackberries yes we yes. had the, we had the mm-hmm. wonderful blackberries yes yes um, we had so, phones that were still phones phones yes. not not yes um certainly not mini not computers, computers <laughs> mini supercomputers in our hands um so um so that has more personal interest mm-hmm. but for us um from the Nevanta perspective and my yeah. team we're looking at smart factories so oh, how do we go Okay. more sustainable. I mean, we have sustainable initiatives within mm-hmm. our organization to make sure that we're are really looking at um, our data centers in terms yes. of the heating and cooling, mm-hmm. um, the power usage, um, as well as the manufacturing going more paperless. Yeah. So how does the smart factory work? So we are looking at that innovation mm-hmm. for our next step and um in our transformation journey yes <laughs> i know and i just i can't get anybody to stop the journey car and like get out and say here we go we've arrived um yeah we were talking about that too about how innovation is either a little eye or a big eye and when you think about yeah, paperless that sounds so 20th century doesn't it i mean we talked about paperless offices Back, I'm thinking in the 90s, maybe yep. in the, even in the 80s. But and it didn't happen. <laughs> no. And there's more paper than ever before. And now I get, uh, well, I get all aggravated if I have something on my cell phone and I want to print it out and I can't connect to my printer. So, uh, you know, you said yes. it's the people connection, right? It's not that the technology couldn't do it. It's just maybe we're not ready for a paperless office yet. <laughs> slowly. Um, slowly, slowly we're getting there. Yeah. Let's, as we... Uh, oh, uh, I should check and see if there are any more questions from our, our Those are really good questions. And watch it. Haven't they been excellent? Yeah. I just, I often say that I get, we do have another question. Great. Here we go. Um, let me see the, um, no, that's the question that we actually answered. Well, and good. So as we wrap up here, talk a little bit about what the pandemic and what, this is your first global CIO job. And what has the pandemic changed in you as a leader? What are, when you think back to 2018, 2019, the, the salad days when you weren't the top global CIO, um, what has this taught you or changed in you as a leader? It's a very good question. Um, I certainly um, feel that, um, you know, the servant leadership, it's certainly a pivotal point as part of my leadership philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming more and more evident uh, for me, especially during pandemic, because yeah. part of the servant leadership is to get to know your team members beyond the everyday work. And so, mm-hmm. um, and that comes very naturally for me because yeah. I, I was doing it before. Mm-hmm. So I see it more and more being important and um, and also really coaching the team members to 
to do that with their team members and yes. and do a lot more skip levels to make sure that you're connected. Because when you're mm-hmm. office, it's a different, um, you always feel more connected and a sense yeah. of belonging. You don't have to intentionally drop by and see someone unless Correct. you have something you need to talk to them about. That kind but of I'm thing. making it intentional now because mm-hmm. I can also travel to our mm-hmm. other sites. I'm making it intentional to have um, you know, the IT all hands, um, you know, more often, or Mm -hmm. we celebrate successes. Mm -hmm. Um, and also having the coffee, you know, conversation with all the IT management, um, and then having skip levels. So Mm -hmm. I'm definitely more thoughtful about that and making sure that I'm connecting with people, even though if I can be there in person. Yeah, that I hear. Um, I, I don't run into any CIOs anymore who uh, cringe at the idea of talking about the soft skills. The soft <laughs> skills have actually become the most important skills, haven't they? They have. They yeah. have. And I'm I'm so glad actually. I am that too. it 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 that <laughs> yeah. it came. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I'm glad that it finally came. It should not take a pandemic to come. No, but no. but I'm I'm glad yeah. it's actually showing up. And another thing that I'm really proud in during the pandemic, what surfaced was. Um, really the infrastructure team. They're always behind the scene. um, And this really brought them forefront. um, Mm -hmm. And I'm certainly very, very proud of all of them. And they did a tremendous job to make sure that that Nevanta was running Mm -hmm. uh, without missing a beat. Well, and it sounds too like your business executives and your CEOs are very much on that same wavelength and very clued in to the importance of appreciating all the things that get done for them by technology. I, th- I think that the day that we get to just assuming that everything is going to work fine with technology, that's when you start talking about, well, why do we need a technology organization? Let's just outsource everything. And of course, we've seen that in the industry. I'm having so many conversations these days with CIOs who have become very passionate about insourcing. And one of the first things they are often insourcing at bigger companies is infrastructure that they outsourced for all kinds of rationale back in the 90s or the early 2000s. And of course, it, it didn't deliver what everybody thought it would. So I think I think you're right. I think it's especially nice that the infrastructure folks are getting a really big shout out from you here today as well. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much for joining me. This has been a wonderful conversation. And thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it's been a great experience. There you go. I, I told you not to worry. Get, <laughs> you did. I get CIOs on here and they're like, a whole hour? What are we going to talk about for now? <laughs> we talked about plenty, didn't we? Yes. So if you joined us late today, do not despair. Uh, the full episode will be available uh, later today on LinkedIn and then also on CIO.com and on our YouTube channel, which is called Tech Talk. CIO Leadership Live is also available as an audio podcast on all of your favorite platforms. And I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with CIO Sarah Bedadam, who is from Novanta. And we had such a nice conversation about all the ways the company is, is just moving forward into the future. It's been great. And I hope you'll come back and join me again. I'll be back on Wednesday, August 10th, and I'll be here that day with CIO of Gulfstream Aerospace, who is Cheryl Bunton. Thanks so much for joining us today. Do take a moment to sign up on YouTube on our Tech Talk channel. And if you feel like binging your way through all of the previous Leadership Live shows, they are all there for your viewing pleasure. Thanks so much, and we'll see you here again next time. Take care.